Hello everybody, it is your GM Adam DeWeese here. Thank you all so much for checking out this new show, Doom Clock, and welcome to our session zero. Here we give an overview of the Shiver system, meet the new characters and the players, as well as give a little look into the setting of Doom Clock. I wanted to hop in before I let you all get into the show and just uh, give a quick schedule update. So the plan is for every one of our streams to be the first Friday of the month at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, with the podcast release dates being a little weird because it's always going to be the second Monday after the stream and the fourth Monday after the stream. So that's going to change around a little bit uh, here and there, but I think that's the best way for us to ward it. Uh, it will always be second Monday and fourth Monday after the stream. And that is because each stream is going to be a standalone one shot. And we want all the podcast episodes to have been released prior to the new one shot stream. It means that you can jump into every stream uh, and you can do a mix of listening to the podcast and then get caught up and then watch the streams live or just watch streams or just listen to podcasts, however you intend to enjoy this show. Each one shot will obviously be split into two parts for the podcast and that way it will be able to be a bi-weekly show like that and a monthly stream. If y'all could do us a huge favor and leave us a five-star rating and review on your podcatcher, that would be so helpful for us as a brand new show to hit the ground running. Follow us on social media at doomclockpod. Follow us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Network. As of this episode going out, we've got a pretty awesome giveaway going on to celebrate the campaign one finale of Halfway Heroes. So you can go to bit.ly slash halfway to giveaway. And there are like 20 different ways to enter. You can enter by following us on Twitch, by following us on Twitter, by retweeting a special tweet, by checking out our Patreon or our website. There's tons of ways to enter and there are three very cool prizes. So go check that out. And again, just thank you all so much for checking out this new show. Really hope you like it. I'm very excited to uh, dive into it. I'm super excited for session one, which is going to be on May 7th at 8 o'clock Eastern. So with all that out of the way, hope you all enjoy. Bye, everybody. everybody if you don't know about what we're talking about with survivor and uh, socialite do not worry this is going to be a session zero where not only do we give an overview of the characters we give an overview of shiver because when i say shiver is new i mean shiver came out two days ago we almost we're going to be using just the quick start, like free rule set for the system and for the session zero and them and us both made it under the wire with the system launch and everything. So don't worry about that. Uh, we'll also be talking about the setting a little bit, this world that we all are going to be collaboratively making collaboratively. So first, I think a good thing is to maybe... I think we'll do a little bit of a system overview first, just so that when we get into everybody's characters, 
if they've got any kind of like special talents or traits. I think it'll make more sense if we know exactly like what that entails. So Shiver is the dice system boils down to two different kinds of uh, dice. It has core dice skills and it has got uh, talent skills. So the core dice skills are the symbols are actually behind me right there, but they are. Let me just pull up the sheet that I should have definitely had pulled up first and foremost. So they are grit. So grit, you can think of it as like strength. It's, you know, anytime you got to do anything heavy, athletic ability, climbing, punching, running. There is wit, picking locks, sneaking, stealth, sleight of hand, throwing objects, firearm proficiency. It's kind of like dex. Smarts is obtaining knowledge around your of your surroundings, improvising weapons and tools using computers and tech. Heart is persuasion, deception, performance, any action that is just pure charisma. There is luck, which is a little bit different than the others. Uh, luck determines how naturally lucky you are. Adds random boost through to all of your actions, and anytime there's a kind of a gamble, it helps you there. And then there is strange, and strange you use it's magic, psychic powers, unnatural abilities. And the way that is determined is if somebody has, say, five grit and then they have to make a grit check, they will roll five dice and every little grit symbol that pops up will be a success. So it's pretty simple. It gets a little bit different when you add in talent dice. So talent dice, it's a D8. And there's various symbols. We don't really have to get into exactly how many symbols are on each side of the die, but there's only two different kinds of symbols, though. There is talent and strange. So you can either a talent is a success for no matter what it is. So if you're rolling a grit and you get that talent symbol, it counts as a grit. If you roll wit and you get a talent symbol, it counts as a wit. So it's kind of like a universal good thing. And um, just I'll be asking for checks throughout different adventures, just much like a DC, just similar to the difference being if I'm going to probably use Dungeons and Dragons as a touchstone a little bit because I think that's, I mean, I know that's the most popular TTRPG out there. So if you're thinking of a, a challenge rating of like 20 being very hard, like in Dungeons and Dragons, that would probably be a five in Shiver. Uh, so one's easy, two mediums, three is hard, four is very hard, five is near impossible. So if I ask Joe for a grit check and it's something that's going to be really hard. He's got to lift a school bus by himself. <laughs> Damn it, Joe's going to probably need to roll five grit checks. And it may not be possible for Joe's character. We will get into the character soon, but I know a little bit about his character. I don't think that's going to be possible for him, really. So, yeah, that's I mean, that's the dice. It's those two different things. And you get into some some different rules like advantage and disadvantage where if somebody maybe was recently shot in their arm and they need to make a grit check to carry something, maybe they'll get a disadvantage where they will, if it's a minor disadvantage, they'll lose one dice in their core dice pool. If it's a major disadvantage, they'll lose a talent dice or vice versa. If, if they're doing something that's very clever. They may be granted a minor advantage or a major advantage, and that's either getting a, a core skill dice or a talent dice. 
I want to kind of break this up a little bit so it's not just me just going over the system. I do want to make sure because this is going to be an ongoing podcast and stream, I do want to make sure that the listeners know, you know, what's going on and whether they buy the system, don't buy the system, at least be able to understand enough. So I'm trying to hit like the high level, but I think with the dice out of the way, I think we can kind of now shift a little bit to some character development stuff because I think that's going to be much more interesting than just me rattling off a bunch of rules. Who would like to start the character kind of interview with me process of talking about their character and what time they're from? Any takers? I guess I'll go. I'll do it. Oh, okay, Danny, you can go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Danny. Yes. I mentioned what time you're from we will be getting into the setting of this story in this session zero this overview but one thing that before we get into the character creation we do need to let the audience know is that it is going to be a time traveling show and these four members are all members of the watch which is the worldwide association of conservation and harmony and They can be from any period of time. I actually do not know what period of time everybody is from. So this is going to be news to me as well. I'm very excited to hear it. But the current present true timeline year is 2101. But they can be from anywhere. So Danny, where is your character from? What year? I mean, so she got picked up from 2018. 20 oh 2018 oh that's that's relatively that's pretty recent recent. okay (laughs) yeah i was trying to do some math for some reason in my mind i thought it was 1918 or 1818 and then i realized oh no that was like two and a half years ago (laughs) yep okay cool so uh, what is your character's name her name is gwyn vandermeer gwyn vandermeer and uh before we get into any kind of character questions what is your for the character creation for Shiver, it pretty much boils down to three different choices. There is your archetype, your background, and your fear. What is your character's archetype? Her archetype is socialite. Okay. And can you tell me a little bit about that one? Because honestly, I haven't dug super deep into the character archetypes yet. So I I know... Yeah, the, so my general knowledge of, it, of the characters. She is the, the charismatic one. The, the summary is problems sometimes need a charismatic touch to be solved. Whether through kindness or compassion, this archetype dominates in all social situations. So she is okay. a face. Gotcha. And okay, uh, so for the backgrounds on the system, you can mix and match them a lot. What background did you end up going with for Gwyn? I chose the lawyer, and that one, let me pull that up. So are you like so, a legit lawyer from 20 No, no. it's okay. more okay. sort of personality. Silver-tongued and quick-witted to the extreme, you can bamboozle and confound others with words and convince them that being on your side is the best idea. So cool. I'm okay. a talker. Okay. And what is Gwen's biggest fear? So now this is one thing where fear is obviously 
I keep saying that this is going to be a, well, the idea is for it to be kind of like a, a horror short show, but me being so bad at horror, I've been calling it a comedy horror show because that's probably what it's going to end up being comedy first and then maybe some horror. We'll see if I get better as it goes on. But that being said, with it being a horror show, we may get into things that even though we are trying to make it a horror uh, genre, we don't want people to not be having fun due to real uh, horrors and fears that they have. So we we talked a little bit earlier about trying to make sure that we don't pick any characters fears that are actual like uh, any kind of triggers or anything for anybody else in the, the party. I do think we only got one no. But if we if anybody other other characters come up with one that somebody didn't think about, we may need to adjust this because I do plan on using these fears for the character fears in the show. So what is Gwen's fear? Well, it's one of the more um, ephemeral ones. It's not like spiders. She is afraid of abandonment, of being left alone. Okay. Yeah, that's something that could probably definitely play a part in in an actual story that we go on. So cool. Okay, before we get into any of the other kind of things, I think it will help the most if we get those high levels of everybody's characters. And then from there, we can start to ask kind of some personal relationship questions and personal questions. Joe, you were also uh, volunteering to go what is your character's name? Eugene Gluck, also referred to as Pappy. Pappy? I think I'll remember Pappy the most, so I hope it's okay if I call yeah, him that's Pappy also. <laughs> what year is Pappy uh, 1932. from? 1932. 1932. Okay. All right. I'm already with just two characters. I'm already really liking this, <laughs> this dynamic. Uh, what is Pappy's archetype? The archetype is Fool. Yes. The fool. Can you, uh, yeah, explain a little bit about what the fool does? <laughs> Bumbles through life. I figured the less RP I have to do, <laughs> the better. <laughs> the easier. <laughs> so, no, the uh, the fool does lean heavily on luck. They're, they're not specifically talented in any one genre at, except for luck. Cool. Uh, that'll be fun. What's uh what's Pappy's background? He is the drifter. Okay. Cool. Does that give I forget. Do the backgrounds give any actual mechanical bonuses? They give uh abilities. Some of them give abilities. Some of them give abilities. Cool. Some of them uh do give slight die bonuses based on certain situational things. I also one thing that I I don't know if I've actually got any of my notes anywhere to point out, but um there's also flaws for characters. Do mm-hmm. backgrounds come with flaws? Yes. Uh backgrounds uh, every background comes with a flaw. Oh. A couple backgrounds come with two flaws. Ooh. If you're you know, two flaws if you're nasty. <laughs> we'll go we'll take a step back real quick. Danny, what's your character's flaw? My flaw is that I am a stickler for rules and I'm wary of breaking the oh, law. Gee. So Oh, that may come in. Yeah. That's, that uh, might be a anytime, problem. Well, anytime we're doing day. something that could be considered <laughs> criminal, all of my skill checks are at a minor disadvantage. All of them. Oh, that's going to be so fun. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, no, Joe. I just realized that I had completely, like I said, I didn't spend a lot of time in the character portion of this. So I'm leaning on you guys a lot for this. 
Sure. So yeah. what does your background give you, Joe, flaw and bonus? Well, the drifter comes with street smarts for his bonus. That's the ability that I get. I get to add a talent die to my dice pool when navigating. I'm not too keen on this particular flaw. We'll have to see how it works out. But it, the flaw is called Lone Wolf. And it says you fight your own way. And that usually means you fight alone just how you like it. You cannot contribute to overwhelming an enemy. I'm not too keen on something that takes away from teamwork. Okay. I'm sure we can make with, I think there's quite a few flaws in the book. I think we could probably find another one that would work with Drifter. Because I don't think, you know, I don't think Drifter necessarily has to be, you know, a loner. I can picture it more of wanting to, you know, be like uh, nomadic and wanting to wander and see places. But that doesn't necessarily make you have to be. Yeah, something know, more like Wanderlust where I don't want to stay put would be more something apt. I don't want to take away from the group as part of my flaw, if that makes sense. Yeah, we'll be able to workshop that a little bit and try to find, you know, balance it out so we find a different flaw that fits it better and still makes sense flavor-wise and mechanically-wise. And then what is your fear? (laughs) My fear is uh, chinchillas. Okay, you're going to make me work for this, aren't you, Joe? (laughs) You're going to make me have to (laughs) add some dang chinchilla somewhere. Okay, cool. You could expand that out to rodents if, uh, if that makes it easier to you. But uh, you know, what's funny for a good 30 seconds there. I thought chinchillas was chihuahuas <laughs> and I thought those were the I thought it was I thought that was what they were. Are they OK? So the rodents. Yeah. OK, cool. Gotcha. OK, so I might have like what about like a chupacabra chupacabra? I mean, that'd be I, probably I, anybody yeah, who's going to chupacabra. If I ever saw one, I'd probably. <laughs> <laughs> OK, cool. Uh, cool. All right. Jeremy Ernest, who wants to go next? I can go. Sure. What's your the name of your character? So uh, my character's name is Corsair Jones. Okay. And what year is Corsair from? Corsair is from 1956. 56. Okay. So we've got, so we're getting about halfway to, to <laughs> Gwyn now. Okay. Maybe a little bit more relatable. What archetype did you go for, for Corsair? So I went with the survivor archetype. And one thing I know about survivors, I think they're kind of like the kind of like catch all. Right. Is that a good way to put it? Yeah. So survivors kind of catch all. But, you know, they have some deficiencies that other the other starting characters don't have. Uh, A survivor gets uh, a plus one core skill in two separate core well, core skills and a and talent die but they also reduce the uh reduce a core skill two core skills by by one because they all start at three and then like you add one or and but i reduce two of them by two because i'm you know pretty solid you know all around so okay and so that so that works out for me um so what background did you end up choosing for corsair so in Shiver, it's uh, all these things are kind of guidelines as far as like, you know, mixing background archetype. I actually chose the experiment as uh, as my background from the weird tree. I will say that uh, Corsair is from uh, Macomb County, Alabama. You can go look that up yourself. I'm not going to get into that too much. OK, what does that background get you? It sounds so the background, what it gives you is uh, you are 
more mentally strong when things are trying to uh, or trying to mentally influence you, gain plus one talent die. Also, when things are doing soul damage, take half damage. Okay, yeah. I was going to get into damage types a little bit when I talk a little bit more about the boring rule stuff. Okay, cool. Uh, but the flaw there is when you interact with normal people, quote unquote, you actually uh, lose a heart die for doing so because you're just so messed up from what ha- from what's happened to gotcha. you. Gotcha. Okay. So you're <laughs> you may not be the first choice to uh, chat with um, people when you're doing an investigation or something on a mission. Cool. Probably not. Probably not. Awesome. Uh, and then fear. Yeah, his fear actually is he actually is definitely afraid of. Uh, of dying alone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The fears can be anything. It could be environmental, animal, people, actions, objects, or abstract, like uh, specifically dying alone. Okay. That might make me work a little bit to uh, get that fear without, you know, you actually, <laughs> without your character actually dying or anything. Awesome. All right. And then that uh, leads us to Jeremy. Jeremy, what is your, well, we already said your character name, but can you say it one more time just so? Yeah, so I'll be playing uh, Theodore Copper. And um, do you want me to just go or are you going to ask me questions? Yeah, ar- uh, archetype first, please. So Theodore is the scholar. Basically, you know, like I said earlier, he's a big nerd. He's a little cowardly, pretty intelligent. But he is, as far as his background goes, um, Theodore is the scientist. And that is because he was born in uh, Endicott, New York in 1891. And, you know, in adulthood, his great step uncle, Charles Flint, founded a little company called the International Business Machine, which is IBM. And he worked there through pure nepotism and, you know, and the fact that he's, he had some, a little bit of knowledge and a college degree, but after a while working as a computer technician at IBM, not even a computer technician, just an electronics technician, he got drafted into world war one in 1917 when the U S entered that luckily he only had to serve for a little over a year before the war ended, but that's kind of what brought a little bit of himself out and he wasn't as much of a coward anymore. And he also witnessed some things that kind of, led to let's just say he witnessed something he shouldn't have and and that's why maybe he was considered for watch okay yeah and we're gonna get into that too so what year were you actually plucked from jeremy so he joined watch in 1919 the year after world war one ended see the uh the years and history and stuff so uh, one thing we didn't mention that i guess by now is probably pretty obvious this is set in our universe and world uh, history wise obviously it's going to be more in like the future and then there's gonna be time travel but i am gonna do my best to do at least a, a little bit of research for all these rescues the plan is to do one rescue per episode so we'll probably be starting around eight o'clock eastern every time and it'll probably be you know a, a few hours and a single one but yes so it is our timeline but in the future so i will try to stick to the years as best we can what is your fear so his fear is going insane he's intelligent enough to know messing with time is not a good idea and he's afraid that not only will it eventually have consequences on the whole planet but on his own mind in other words he's not quite sure about all this 
Okay. There's a couple more rule things I think I want to just make sure we get both for the players and everybody watching and listening. So I think, I mean, obviously I think the, the, the checks are pretty evident where, you know, if something's harder, you're going to need more of those success skills slash talent die. If you fail a die, one thing that probably is my favorite mechanic of shiver and we actually named our show after is called the doom clock. If somebody fails a roll, say Jeremy needs to make an intelligence check of five and somehow fails it with that big brain of his, any strange die he rolled, we add that many minutes to the doom clock. And the doom clock is this, it's this thing where everybody has it on their character sheets, and I'll also be keeping track of it myself every night, where it starts at zero, and every minute it ticks down to midnight. And at 15 minutes something bad happens. uh, Something is going to trigger where it is going to really light a fire under these four during their rescue. At 30 minutes, things are going to start snowballing and it's going to get harder to do the rescue and it's going to get more deadly. By 45 minutes, things are going to be starting to look really bleak. And then if it ends up hitting midnight... The person they're trying to rescue will not just like outright die or anything, but it's going to get really dang hard and spooky and hard for them to actually make that rescue successfully. And when I'm saying rescue, it's the main gist of the story is that they're going to be uh, having to go back in time and and save key uh, important historical figures in a short window. So, yeah, the doom clock is what we are named after, and it is probably my favorite mechanic of this whole system because I think it's going to add a lot of pressure to the players. So I'm really excited for that. Another thing I'm just kind of scrolling down. I've got some high, some things that are, I don't think we really need to talk about like combined skill checks. There's sometimes you might want to make like a smarts check and a strange check. We can get into that if it happens. Everybody has 16 HP. This is one thing I did want to talk about with you for. There are two different modes we can play this and I want it to be completely up to you for. There is normal mode and there is nightmare mode and if anybody doesn't want nightmare mode we'll probably not do nightmare mode so it's not as spooky as it sounds or anything but here i am trying to scroll up for it and find the actual thing here it is so everybody's got 16 hp and if in survivor mode if all 16 points are gone then you're wounded and unconscious just i mean like D D, and you know something could happen somebody could uh, bring you back but if on your character sheet there are four different sections there is weakened for four points limping for four points trauma for four points and then dead for four points if it gets filled up if the box gets filled up with all four that thing happens so weekend if you take four wounds uh, you lose, you pick a core skill that you lose a point. Next one, if you get four more, your speed drops to slow. Uh, next one, trauma, if you lose four more, you start to lose motor skills and you either select a core skill in which you have a talent point and reduce that talent point by one or choose an ability which you can no longer use. Or when you hit 16, you're dead and there's like no coming back from that. I don't mind one way or the other, but this is a choice that uh, is given in Shiver, so I wanted to make sure that you all pick which one you would like. 
Sorry if I just blasted anybody's ears. I realized we weren't, I didn't have any tabletop audio on, and then I played it way too loud. So if there's any thoughts on that, survivor mode is probably, I mean, I don't necessarily want to see anybody die. Uh, so survivor mode gives a little bit more chance of that not happening, if that makes sense. But if we do die... And since we didn't, we're not dead, dead like a race from existence. Then we get to give, have a game of going back and grabbing somebody from somewhere else. Mm, <laughs> yeah, I so, like that. So, I like that thinking. So yeah, yeah. So the the thing is, and the reason that your group was even brought together, and I like that we get to just kind of sprinkle in uh, story stuff as we go. It wouldn't be a problem if, say, you needed to save. Benjamin Franklin from he's the one he's the electricity guy right I think so or at <laughs> least well things. no he, I think he was kind of like a, I think he was like kind of an asshole though right and like ripped off a bunch of people either way I mean <laughs> either way <laughs> say say you say if Benjamin Franklin died and like somehow electricity never did get invented if he died it wouldn't be a problem for you guys to go back in time and save him. Um, and just make him not die. If somebody else was using time travel and like messing with timelines, it wouldn't be a problem to go save it. However, this creature, <laughs> Ernest said, I'm not saving Ben Franklin. We don't have to save Ben Franklin. However, if this, <laughs> this thing, this group, these people, these creatures, whatever this is that are killing these people, it's, completely wiping them from history. So if something did kill Ben Franklin, one of these things that you guys are tracking, it, it wouldn't be like you guys could go back just the day before, like warn him like, Hey, this thing's going to come and kill you tomorrow. It's completely wiped from, from everything and everyone. And even the business, the watch, every, you guys would, wouldn't even know about this person anymore. It's completely gone. And it's different from just, you know, having them die and you guys be able to save them. So that's another thing. It's kind of an overarching mystery of what this thing even is that is wiping them from existence. But if, say, you four went back in time and Jeremy... Wow, thanks, Jeremy, for that uh, extra life donation. If Jeremy did uh, get killed by, say, like a crossbow, you guys may be able to tweak that one way or another and adjust that i don't know we'll have to see exactly how fucking convoluted we can get with this show which i'm really excited about but all that aside yeah i i, I don't mind either way if we do the survivor mode or if we do the nightmare mode i kind of do like the effects of nightmare mode but maybe just not dying instantly. Like, I kind of like that, you know, if you get four damage to you, you pick a point to lower a core skill. If you get eight, you drop a to slow. I think those are kind of fun, but I, I don't really like that you're just, like, dead at 16. Yeah, you know. You know, let's, let's bleed out and, and say and say things and then <laughs> die horribly. Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is, like, you can, I mean, especially, like, I think Jeremy's character will be really good at it. You can make um, smarts rolls to like try to stabilize somebody and bring them back. So I mean, there's ways to do it. So how yeah, about that? Do you want how me about to tell do... you what my character, like his what his abilities do, the flaws and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Um, just because what you said made me think of what his ability lets him do. So he does actually get to do things with smarts rolls. He gets to re-roll them 
if he fails outside of combat, but only once. Outside of combat. So if I'm what, making... Does it say once No, it just per, says... I'm just saying, because sometimes it will say, like, and I just found out about this reading a little bit today, sometimes it'll say, like, once per Doom quarter, and that's, like, once per 15 minutes of the Doom clock. Oh, okay. So mine says thinking outside Doom the box. Quarter. I like that. Oh, that's so much better, I guess. If I fail a non-smarts check outside of combat, I can reroll any smarts symbol rolled to try and succeed. Okay, so if you're if you're going for anything other than a smarts check. Right, but my flaw is called calculating, which I'm too I'm always just calculating things. So I'm not really paying enough attention and I'm not super good at social interactions anyway, so when I'm trying to like read somebody or see if they're lying, or like guess their emotional state. I'm not very good at that. And so it says that I lose a heart die anytime I'm trying to do that. We okay. are really relying on you, Danny. <laughs> yeah, Danny's going to say, say, I will say, say words. words. <laughs> cool. So is everyone cool with that? If we do the the status effects... But when you hit 16, you don't you don't die, die. You'll drop unconscious instead. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Cool. OK. Yeah, a couple more high level things. Combat. Combat's pretty uh, easy. I may do a mix of these things. Uh, the core rules is that everybody's either fast, medium or slow. If for some reason, if you if you all like set a trap for somebody, you would be in the fast initiative. If it's just you and these people that you're fighting, you know, just come to a head at the same time, everybody would be in the middle initiative. If one of you, if like uh, somebody's like trying to carry somebody else or there's some kind of detriment, you guys would be in slow. So if everybody is in the same initiative, it's it's kind of like Monster of the Week where it's just everybody kind of can go what whenever they want whenever they've got something ready in that window sometimes if it makes sense narratively i may do what's called free flow where there's not fast middle and slow it's just like you all are acting and whenever it makes sense for an enemy or a monster to act that enemy or that monster will act and then you all can act and all that that means is for a combat role you all get a move everybody's movement is normal which is like 30 ish feet we won't get too bogged down in like distances really um, unless it gets like really crazy and then you get an attack and an interact an attack is like using a weapon to actually do an attack and an interact is really anything you guys can think of we can get really i'll probably be really loose with what you guys want to do for an interact and if you don't take an attack you can take two interacts instead so yeah, uh, that's really as simple as combat gets. If you wanted, if if uh, Gwen wants to hit a zombie with a baseball bat, Gwen would roll. Every weapon has a different dice die associated with it. So like a baseball bat would be grit. So Gwen would have to roll a, a grit roll, and if it beats the creature's uh, challenge rating then that would be a success and you would just do the amount of damage that a baseball bat does. Now there's stuff for every stat. So, and I was thinking like, what can you do for like a heart? But there's like a book of banishment that has a heart stat for it. Um, and you can like do soul damage. I think it does. Um, so like we're going to get kind of wild with some weapons and stuff with this and armor. 
which I'm really excited about. But yeah, so the combat's super straightforward in here. The cool thing I really like is critical hits. If you roll more than two above what they need, say you're trying to fight like a zombie that has like a CR1 and you roll three successes, what that means is that A, your damage is doubled and whatever kind of weapon you're using will get you a, a different advantage. So if you use a grit weapon, like a baseball bat, you knock them down prone. Wit, you get a second attack. Smart, you make them bleed for two damage. Heart, you are steeled, which makes your challenge rating go up one. Luck, you get to roll your luck pool, and each luck is an extra damage. And strange, the enemy is terrified of you. And there's like different kinds of attacks, like in D&D, where there's like fire, cold, soul. I don't know exactly how much we're going to get into that uh, as we go, but we will see. And then I think the last thing before we finish up with some uh, really good uh, character building, because I've only got one last core mechanic I want to talk about is the fear status. So if anything truly spooky happens that I think makes sense for you four to make a fear check, you will uh, make a fear roll and... Unfortunately, I don't have it pulled up. I believe that's always going to be a strange roll. And I think it will be a different check based on how spooky it is. If you fail, your fear track will go up. So there is stable, which is just fine. Your heart might be, uh, you know, pounding a little, a little hard, but like your palms aren't sweating. You're, you're ready to face whatever this is. If it goes up to afraid, you temporarily uh, lose one core skill point from every core skill. So that's, uh, uh, smarts, grit. Yeah, that's hard. That's that's bad. That's if you're afraid. If you get terrified, you are overcome with a powerful fear. And this occurs when you fair, uh, fail a fear check while you're already afraid. And at this point, you're just like ready. You're ready to get out of there. Temporarily lose two core skill points from every core skill to a minimum of one until it is broken. And you can use an interact to bust out of fear, like a strange roll, anytime you want to use an interact, or if like the threat goes away and you're, say you're afraid of a, like a giant spider, you guys are fighting a giant spider and you either kill a giant spider or for some reason it walks away after a little bit of time, you guys would uh, chill out and not be uh, terrified of it anymore. Um, and yeah, I think I didn't want to get too like bogged down in the weeds for their, the mechanics, but I think there was enough high level stuff that we needed the listeners and you four to know about before we get started. But now I'm ready for the fun stuff, the character stuff. Yes. Tier one. Yeah. You should be all be like level one. I don't know exactly how the lovely works in this system. Oh, just yeah. I can, I can talk. Cool. I can talk about that. I would actually. love that. Yeah, so in Shiver, uh, the director, who is, uh, you know, the storyteller, uh, game master, they're called the director, which is, I think is really cool because of the cinematic uh, sort of style that Shiver has. So as our director, uh, Adam would decide what our starting level is. One, uh, the maximum level in Shiver is 15, and uh, the, um, the starting level is 1. So when you make your character, you, you start off with your archetype and your background, and you start with the starting ability at level one for at, at or tier one for your character. So let's say I'm a survivor. My archetype ability is Deus Ex Machina. Once per uh, Doom Clock quarter, I can reroll any talent die. 
because I can just get out of shit because that's how it is. But my I have a choice of of a few uh, of a few things here with my talent point. You know, like uh, I can go into uh, the uh, the field surgeon path or the rally or the chosen slash leader path or the uh, kind of cockroach. It's called cockroach. Like you're just really good at getting away and living, right? And that, and so as level one characters, we have one talent point. Unless the director says otherwise, then I'm going to choose one of these three things in my in my skill tree. And there are places where your skill tree actually will branch over and you can diversify your skills across skill trees. But as of right now, so I'm, I actually chose the field surgeon route, which gives me access to being able to heal people and uh, myself, uh, potentially, uh, with a smarts roll. And uh, that's why I chose my, for my tier one power. Or actually it's a tier two power because it's your tier one power is your archetype power. So my first ability point was tier two. So. Yeah, how about we do everybody tier two so that we can at least get everybody to choose, you know, one of those three things and at least like get started on their path that they're going to be doing. That way uh, we're going to get into I th- what spoiler alert. The first question I'm going to ask everybody is why they either think or know that the watch chose them and plucked them from time to join. I mean, I think it would make sense if you had at least, you know, a little bit of something like a, you know, a little bit more than the average person has stat wise. So some of you, I, I, you probably may not have yet picked your tier two ability, but yeah, let's, let's start at, at, at tier two instead of tier one. I like that. So who's ready to answer that? Why do you think the watch chose your character and took you from the current year into the future to help out? Sure. So I can talk about my character. Corsair is uh, from uh, 1956. Uh, he's from uh, from Macomb County, Alabama, where um, a uh, terrible piece of history came from uh, that was called the Tuskegee Experiment. You can look it up. That piece of history, well, where a lot of African Americans were experimented on um, for a number of reasons. But anyway, the Corsair uh, came out of that with some kind of some weird, some weird abilities. Uh, so I, uh, one Corsair is a survivor. There's a, an ability you can pick at the very end. Uh, you at the very end of the character creation section, there are six abilities you can pick from that you kind of just have access to, and it says pick one of these six. So I chose the luck skill. Where uh, if I were to fall down and dying, I uh, if I roll three luck, I would start to regenerate my wounds and regain consciousness potentially. Uh, but he's still terribly afraid of dying because the last place uh, before being a member of the Watch was that was potentially dying in this horrible facility kind of like you know scenario. Okay, so the the next question would be. Why did you choose to go with them? Because everybody, everybody has a choice, right? Everybody has a choice. You could say, like, no, I'm, I'm good here in 50s, 30s, 2018, <laughs> um, however far back you are. Why did Corsair choose to, to join the Watch? Well, I think it's easy to say that, like, you know, anything is better than this awful place. But I think also the, the idea of being able to maybe change things, maybe... Maybe Corsair might, you know, have some mild sympathies for whoever is making these changes to time. Who knows? 
but he definitely wants to see how it's done. What's the secret of the sauce? <laughs> yeah, that me personally, my these are two questions I need to ask everybody. Why do you think you were chosen? And then why did you join? Do you either think or no? They may have told you. Benjamin may have told you when he came back to collect you and recruit you. Why do you think that they chose you for the watch? Well, I was in the military. I was in the Navy or I was I was drafted into the Navy for World War One. And like I said, I only spent really a little bit more than just over a year fighting in that war, like all Americans, because they were only there right at the end. But um, at the Battle of Argonne, which I was involved with, I just witnessed something that it was what I saw was something far beyond my own time period. And they noticed that I saw it. And these people dressed in very strange clothing, you know, after seeing that I saw what happened, I was approached by other people in similarly strange clothing uh, at some point in the near future in the next couple days. And that's when basically I was offered the choice of having all my memories wiped or joining the watch. And they said they couldn't really guarantee how much of my memory I would lose. And since part of my fear is going insane, a lot of that is he, he realizes it's not his brawn that makes him successful. It's his mind. And losing that uh, is, is his biggest fear. So uh, he was certainly intrigued and interested. And, you know, once he realized it involved time travel, he, of course, wanted to be part of the watch. But at the same time, uh, the, the, the sophist choice, I believe, is the term the sophist choice, rather they gave him was kind of like you know you have to do one or the other and so he joined the watch but yeah awesome. he doesn't know what they were doing there at world war one they don't know he doesn't know what they were attempting to do uh to alter that battle perhaps and maybe they were just in that location during the time but that is when he first encountered them cool all right danny or joe nice guess okay so cool. uh gwyn is an heiress. She was born into money, has a lot of money, and has a lot of time on her hands because she doesn't actually have to work for any particular reason. And so she got herself some hobbies and started actually using social media. She's got a blog, a website. She is all about Instagram. She is an influencer. Um, but her particular hobby is actually um, learning about the social customs of past cultures. She's super interested in, like, when did the handshake develop? Why do we do handshakes instead of, say, bowing to each other? Where did the curtsy come from? Why did we stop doing it? Was it always women who did it? So she's spent her most of her adult life digging into those sort of weird little questions because they were interesting and she doesn't need to earn a living doing anything else, so she might as well. And it's because she knows all of these weird little social things uh, that she was recruited because that could come in handy in all sorts of different time frames, knowing, you know, how to behave, how to be a lady, because you know, even though she's a modern woman with the uh, the family money, she is basically like the ladies throughout history where you just have to look pretty and follow the rules. 
I keep continuously forgetting you're from 2018. <laughs> <laughs> you started mentioning blogging and stuff. I was like, uh, awesome. All right. Yeah. So I think that, I mean, so why did you decide to go with them? I think, I think your answer kind of espounds. Mostly it just sounded like fun. It would be great to see these things yeah, in person. Yeah. I think your, your answer kind of built on towards that. Joe, why were, do you think you were recruited and why did you join? Pappy has no idea why he's here or what he's doing but it probably has something to do with his good fortune. Because on October 24th, 1929, he sold off all his stocks and made billions of dollars right before the stock market crashed. He didn't take any of it with him. (laughs) But I'm sure he'll get it back. Do you have a lucky dime? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. All right. Are we talking me? Are we talking me? Or are we talking? <laughs> I'm Pappy? talking about Pappy. Does he have? Does he have Scrooge McDuck? Oh, okay. Dying, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. So it's pretty much luck, and then I think what just your, your drifter nature just decided to. Yeah, just the uh, the chance to see other places and then other times. Like I could see Paris in five different time yeah. zones. Heck yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Okay, I. Th- think so i got a couple more character questions but i also think that it's probably a good time to just take a real short break um i'll play the uh prologue again on the or be right back screen and uh then yeah we'll be right back and we will finish some characters and relationship questions now because you four have now hung out for about a month at this headquarters that we also need to decide exactly what this headquarters is where it is the kind of logistics of it we're gonna build that together and then we will leave on a hook for the very first time rescue and what time period we'll be going to and i'm really excited for that so everybody we'll be right back in like however long everybody needs but uh it won't be long Welcome back, everybody. Real quick before we get started, a couple of housekeeping things. This episode is sponsored by Abide Asteria. If you have not yet, go and check out Abide Asteria. It is a completely free, 100% free tabletop RPG that's brand new. It is playable, but not, you know, it's, I, th- I think they're calling it beta. I think it's uh, the term that they're using for it, but it's 100% playable. Uh, you can go to abideasteria.com. That's right below me. It is a, a TTRPG system that uses just a standard deck of playing cards, standard deck of 52 playing cards. So no matter what, you've got everything you need as long as you've got that and an internet connection because it is all web-based. You don't even need to make an account. Uh, you can go right to that website and uh, log in. And it's kind of like sci-fi meets fantasy. There's space dragons and all kinds of fun things. And next weekend, Neo, one of the creators, will be running a one-shot for it during our Extra Life 24-hour charity event. Saturday morning, pretty early in the morning. So you'll have to wake up early to uh, come and catch it. But it will be worth it. Speaking of 
that charity event. I also want to really talk about that real quick. It is going to be our second annual 24-hour Extra Life charity event where last year was super tiring for me. And at the time, we weren't even in a network. It was just a one-shot onslaught and half to heroes. And then Roll for Weird wasn't even a thing yet, but it was our second time playing Monster of the Week with that same group. And then Roll for Weird was born right after that weekend. But uh, so this this time, it was a lot easier for me to slot up. We've got Roll for Weird. We have got NBA. We have got the original Shitty Cowboys where Sean and Jerundu are going to be playing Red Dead Redemption in the middle, like fucking like 4 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So Sean will be very tired and loopy and playing Red Dead Redemption. We have got Jeremy playing Mage Tower and a one shot that he wrote himself. We've got a Lauren Poor, a live Lauren Poor to cap the evening off. I don't know how I'm probably going to be crashing at like eight o'clock that Saturday because that Lauren Poor is the uh, six o'clock to seven o'clock window. But we need your donations for Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Uh, you can donate now at bit.ly slash goose2021. And we have over 30 giveaway prizes right now. Almost too many. It's to the point where I'm like, I hope we get 30 people to donate because if not, like, we're going to have to, like, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. We've got so many giveaway prizes that I don't want to say, like, you're guaranteed to win a, a prize for donating, but you've got very good odds of winning something. And there are awesome prizes. Like, we've got three source book collections from D&D Beyond. We have got a $100 gift card to Dwarven Forge. We've got 10 $25 gift cards to Dyson V. We've got four very cool dice vaults from Zoltar's Bazaars. Like too many things for me to just rattle off. You can get, you can win art, uh, like D&D uh, art commissions. You can win Jeremy's uh, adventure collections. You, there's Deems Guild gift cards. Just if you can donate more than a dollar, definitely do that. If you can donate at least a dollar, do that because we need... <laughs> we need at least 30 people to donate to give away all these prizes for. And with all of that out of the way, during the break, we did talk a little bit uh, about uh, the tier two abilities of everybody. And I realized we didn't get everybody's tier two abilities. So Danny and I were talking first. So I think, Danny, uh, you want to talk about your tier two ability that you're going to be choosing? Sure. The socialite has three different pathways, and I have chosen the companion path because my company is so wonderful that I can have a permanent companion who is at my command in the form of a sidekick. And this person will defend me and do my dirty work for me. And we're going to workshop it a little bit just to make sure like we don't have all the logistics, like who's going to obviously Danny gets to pick all the actions of it, who voices it. I, I may just so that I can have a, you know, somebody with you guys on missions. That could be fun to have a, uh, NPC that you control all of its like mechanical stuff and I just get to be the voice the speakerphone for it so that'd be fun. Joe did you pick your tier 2 ability? I am gonna go with clock it back which is the accumulator path clock it back says you have the ability to use your luck to prevent disaster. You only have to use one luck point to turn back the doom clock by one minute. You can also use banked luck points. Oh my goodness that is that is very big a boon for you all cool because one thing that i had noted in my notes but again i didn't want to get too low level of talking about mechanics but 
if you roll, say somebody rolls a skill check and they get two luck points. Well, first, anybody besides the fool can only bank one luck at a time. But if they don't want to bank luck or if they've already got luck banked, they may choose to instead use those two luck points to either A, count as one success. So if you're making a grit check and you roll two luck points, you can cash in those two luck points for one success. Or you can use those two luck points to roll back the doom clock by one minute. However, it sounds like Joe can use one luck to roll back one minute, which is going to be a, a big, big, big deal. Cool. Jeremy, what'd you get? So I chose the academic path. And the ability that that granted me, it's called the game is afoot. And I get to add one talent die when making smarts checks to investigate an area or situation. So I can basically, like, investigate a scenario. So I can add an extra talent die anytime I'm doing that, which is pretty cool. And I suppose the reason I chose that is he's only really an, an engineer at IBM because of nepotism, because he was hired by a family member. I mean, he has the degree and stuff, and he is skilled enough, but really he's just there to salt like... He just wants to be on the edge of technology. He wants to, like, solve new problems. He He's curious. He wants to, you know, be on the, the leading edge of things. So I feel like that's his real passion. And that's also why watch interests him, like time travel. That's crazy. Yeah. And um, getting a an additional talent die is really good because your odds of getting successes on there are uh, just greatly increased above than just the regular die because it's a d8 and there's even some like double successes on talent die so that's a big deal and then at his base level as a scholar just at base level he also got medic so i can heal wounds and i roll smarts for that and it's only a cr1 check i can heal two wounds every additional smart symbol i roll is another wound healed so it starts at two and goes up by one for every additional and then, you know, I could have went the medic path, but I didn't. That was just my base level. Like, I know some first aid from being involved in the military. And okay. um, that's about it. So I can I can help, but I'm, you know, I'm not the healer, but I can heal. I'm the bard, basically. That's really good to have because I wasn't sure exactly how we were going to deal with, you know, people getting beat up and bit and, you know, r- mauled. And then, Ernest, can you say yours one more time? Your uh, tier two skill? Oh, well, the the tier two because because you pick you know it's it's your it's your uh, your tier plus one because like you get that first ability and then so we're actually at so we're actually picking tier three abilities if that wasn't clear to people. So like I'm looking at these trees. I didn't look at them a lot, but I was thinking everybody would just get not just the tier one like the base thing everybody gets, but just the first that tier two where it splits. Yeah. So yeah, what's let me double check that just to make sure that I'm correct. So Survivor is a little bit different. Survivor actually has like four different things. But like yeah. looking at the tier two thing. So for yours, with like the play dead rally or field surgeon for Survivor tree. Yeah. So, yeah, the Survivor's tree. So my power is a uh, field surgeon. A basic suite of medical training has equipped you to deal with most minor injuries. If you have uh, eight wounds or more. You can attempt to sit yourself up, roll a smarts roll with a CR of one. If successful, you heal one wound. For every additional smarts roll, you roll beyond this, uh, heal another wound. So that's nice. So we have 
Uh, two yeah. people that can at least heal somewhat of wounds. That survivor tree. It's the survivor and the uh, the the strange tree both have like these big. It looks like they branch quite a bit more, and they've got four instead of two. But um, okay, cool. I I really like how they do the skill trees in this because I don't know. I've always liked skill trees like in video games and stuff. So that's this that's one thing about this game that I'm really enjoying. Okay, so with all that, I'm gonna just start to kind of hit fire some questions uh, at you four. Won't be any kind of repeating questions. These questions will be as if we have spent uh, one month at the base. We will, as a group, all build the base together here and right after these questions. But uh, let's see. We'll start with uh, Joe. Joe, where was your character born, Pappy? Because I know you moved around a lot. Pappy did move around a lot, but he was born in New York, New York. Okay. Born in New York, New York. Jeremy, what did your character leave behind? Well, he left behind a family. He's married. Not a family. He didn't have you children. Ma- you he didn't were... have children, but he left behind a wife. You were married and you still just, uh, I well, guess, I don't the know that he... of uh, time travel. Yeah, he probably figured, well, I can time travel back. I'll, you know, I got all the time in the world. <laughs> Okay. Well, I'm really glad I asked you that one. Danny, what this one's this one's pretty light. What is your character's favorite food? Oh, you know, there's this great little Thai place. The food is just gorgeous. I've got pictures of it all over my Instagram. So I think I'm gonna have to go with Thai food. Yeah. Thai food. Ernest, what is your first memory of Pappy? I think that um I was trying to uh, get something out of this uh, this crazy uh, vending machine on uh, at the watch, you know, like the watch break room, and it got stuck. And uh, Pappy just walked by, and like five donuts fell out. <laughs> and uh, my mic just likes. Yeah, he just uh, yeah he just five like five packs of Hostess donuts, whoever just fell out. And Pappy's like, oh great, and just walks by like it's no thing. Like and, it happens uh, all the time for Pappy. You know, like 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 it's just like a daily thing. Like, you know, like, oh yeah. You know, like I got here's a Pappy Donuts that just fell out the machine. And like, you know, he keeps on walking and uh the chips I you know, the, like the chips I actually wanted didn't fall out. You know. So I'm I'm like, damn, Pappy, damn. Like all this, you couldn't have just like got me my chips. Well, it's probably because it was <laughs> Pappy's favorite food, so it fell because of Pappy's yeah. Uh, luck. Yeah, you just you know, got a bunch of cupcakes and donuts, though, so that's <laughs> great. Jeremy, what do you and Gwen have a mutual weird love of? You being from the, not even the 30s, you being from the the teens, right? You were like 19? 1919 yeah, is when you were plucked from. So yeah, you being from 1919 and then Gwen being from 2018. What's something that you both have discovered that you have the same weird love of? France it was the only nice thing that I got out of World War One was being able to go to France. So you and and of course Gwen's you know well traveled and definitely been to 
Tanya said Betty White. (laughs) (laughs) That's a close second. That's a second. (laughs) That's a close second. A hard second. Oh. Let's see. What do you admire about Corsair, but you would never tell them? You're just not that close. You just would never tell them. We've only known each other for a month. Their love of sugar. It's totally wrong, but because of that first memory and he was eating those donuts, that is something that he is convinced that Corsair loves sugar just like Pappy. And uh... (laughs) so, okay, so what I'm getting is Pappy really likes like hostess donuts and sugar. And that's why with your abundance of luck, you walk by the vending machine, a bunch of them fall out. And because because Corsair collected those donuts, you assumed that he likes sugar just as much as you do. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Uh, Corsair, what is a great kindness that Gwyn did for you that Gwyn doesn't even know about? Gwyn doesn't even remember, but you'll never forget in this one month. Uh, you know, I think uh, Gwen would have uh, Gwen showed me what became of a, a lot of the uh, a lot of the the poets of the Harlem Renaissance and like other things. Like, oh, look, you can just look look at you can just look up uh, you can just look up poets on like the internet and uh, and see what they're doing and listen to recordings. Like, what? Because, you know, all those, because even though I, I chose this new life, all those people are gone. All those, all those, all those people who influenced, you know, a movement are, are like, are gone now. And they've made their mark on history. And, you know, Gwen's like, here, you can just look them up. They're right here. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm guessing in uh, 2101, the Wi-Fi signal is real good. We hope. We hope. Speaking, yeah. Speaking of being in 2021. Let's get into actually building up this this base. I've been re- referring to it in my notes and stuff as HQ or the headquarters or the base. But like I said, I, I want this to be kind of uh, collaborative. So I know I in our Discord chat, I mentioned a couple places that I kind of had in mind. But is there anywhere that you four think that would be a, a really cool... Because you got to remember... Everybody that listened to the prologue, time travel used to be a thing. It was nearly public, like accessible, um, but you had to you had to be pretty wealthy, so not super. You know, it wasn't super affordable. But then things started to really just go haywire, and governments and corporations kind of teamed up because they realized that, uh, you know, if if this wasn't stopped soon, the the universe could have was at stake at that point because people were kind of uh, doing whatever they wanted. So this corporation went back in time and supposedly stopped through a series of events. They were able to go back and completely wipe out from, you know, from point A to B to C to D the chain of command that kind of led up to uh, time travel being invented. They said, of course, this corporation... Uh, this unnamed entity other than you all being members of the watch kept, you know, their own means of time travel for, you know, kind of 
worst case scenarios and to, you know, be able to use it for themselves. So it's got to be a secret location because they don't want anybody else to find out that they do still have access to time travel. So I threw out a couple ideas like either like in the ocean, satellite, Mars, Venus, unless you guys got like a, a different kind of place you think would be really cool to have a base but this is going to be kind of like your guys's uh, hangout slash headquarters for in between missions. So I think it makes sense that you guys also have some input on this. Well, wherever it is, it has to have a really close location to Thai restaurants. <sighs> well, right? that's an, we're going to get into that the very next talking point. But this is a very well accommodated base. We will also be building out the base here in a minute. So step one, location. Step two whatever we want in the base. So we could be in the middle of the ocean, but still have Thai food. We could be on a satellite and still have Thai food. Um, but it's 2100. 2101. 2101. And it's an under, it shouldn't exist in our modern time period. It it's not allowed to exist. It is not allowed. Time travel is completely banned. By You're who, not though? allowed to do any kind By of us. By all the world governments and okay, everyone. Okay, so it's not like we're the ones who banned this, it. Yeah, well, the thing is, it was corporations and governments worked together because they both thought it was in their best interest to ban time travel. Well, we travel. told them it was in their best interest. And this is, yeah, this is a corporation that has this, though, not a government, so. So we clearly were part of the banning efforts and said, hey, yeah, but like, you know. That's bad, uh, but for yeah. us, it's cool. <laughs> yeah. And then you four are there as like the fixers for this new anomaly that has recently started happening because apparently something else also has access to time travel because, you know, people that were existing all of a sudden aren't anymore. So that's where you four come. So, of course, our base Um, is located in the giant metropolis that is the Amazon, where once upon a time there was a great forest. We could do that. Oh. Amazon, a metropolis force is completely gone. Yeah, it took 80 years, 80 years, and now it's gone. And they, they got the city they wanted, though. There is a highway there now. <laughs> There's a highway. And so is it a big, like a big sprawling metropolis that takes up? Well, I don't know how futuristic is this place. Is it like a dome? Is it like everyone moved uh, there because pollution's yeah. so bad? That's where the lungs of the world were. But then we destroyed that, too. I'm thinking some kind of crazy sprawling Gernsbachian, like, you know, metropolis, you know, like to just, you know, everything is pneumatic tubes and like, you know, and shining steel. And we're just somewhere nestled in the middle of all of that. So kind of hidden in plain sight, not necessarily like you're it's bland corporation and it's kind of blends in with the, the building's on either side of it where nobody really knows what happens in, in this place. It's, it could, it could be Jeremy it could be IBM. It's just IBM. It could just be IBM and inside everybody thinks they make computer parts, but if they went down to the sub levels, they would find this, the watch headquarters and the actual, I like that. I was thinking that they, we really needed to like hide away this time travel machine, but just kind of hiding it in plain sight instead. I like that. We can do that. 
Okay. Next, one of the last things we wanted I wanted to do for the night is that I'm really glad you secured the IBM sponsor though. That was cool. That was good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh they're going to pay us the big buck. Well, I don't know cuz they may end up being kind of the bad guys. I mean, they've got they hit away time travel from everybody. The enemy so is IBM. uh they they already kind That's of just jerks. who I worked for. It's not like they made time travel <laughs> or did they? Yeah, was it that's Charles true. Flint, my Maybe. step uncle. <laughs> it may be fucking Flint. Uh, it was your it wife. Your your wife made time travel. <gasps> oh, after you after you were plucked from existence, she tried to invent time travel to say. Oh, they thought I was too. kidnapped. Now we're getting. Now they we're getting. Deli- were, she thought I was kidnapped through <laughs> now time. Now layers. So she figured out time travel, and uh, you know, and then she got zapped. For figuring out time travel by the corporations that you work for. Oh, geez. We're getting. <laughs> I knew that this I knew that this show would get convoluted. I didn't know we would get convoluted in session zero. <laughs> well, um, so uh, I mentioned the only employee of IBM. We're going with it. I'm sticking with it now. The, the corporation is called IBM. The only employee you all have ever met. And IBM is Benjamin. He was the one that came back in time, recruited you, brought you back. Do um, I like know showed you to this like that it's IBM? Am I like wait that like place I worked like two yeah, years ago? You want to turn into the Corpos? Basically, like they are the big bad. Do you want corporation IBM? I kind <laughs> I think that could be yeah. fun. I think we could. I think that could be fun. I mean, none of us own giant companies. Yeah. We don't need IBM. So, yeah, Benjamin's the one that came back in time, uh, recruited you all, and brought you all to this very lavish and uh, well-accommodated, this headquarters uh, inside of the Amazon uh, metropolis. And it's, like I said, well-furnished. There are gyms, pools, televisions, indoor gardens. We can build up this place as much as we want. And knowing that, where would you all be hanging out on just a regular day in this base, uh, waiting for, you know, your call to action? Do we have a costuming department? There is. I feel like I'd probably spend a lot of time there trying on outfits from different time periods and uh taking selfies okay um yeah so you're in this room that has rows and rows of apparel and it's it's sorted by by century yeah by century so you can kind of go by and this room is massive so it goes all the way back down to you know the bc eras it's Actually, one of the largest, probably the largest room in the entire headquarters because they really have to accommodate a wide variety of apparel so that you all can fit in without, you know, causing any kind of butterfly effects. If somebody saw you all wearing like denim jeans in, you know, the 100 BC. So, yeah, you and oh, we don't really have your NPC yet, do we? <laughs> um, his name's going to be Caleb. 
Okay, you and Caleb. Oh, it's close to Clancy. Uh, you, you, you and Clancy, or geez, no, not Clancy. You and Caleb are uh, uh, looking through. What what time period of close are we looking through right now? I'm thinking probably Regency, because I just finished reading through, um, you know, some Jane Austen type novels. It just felt appropriate. I've got my book with me. I can I can hold up the book while wearing something time appropriate. Okay, yeah, you're you're looking through these these clothes, and then uh, it's pretty well lit in here, so that you can really see everything. And you notice that the lights start to flicker a little bit, and then the overhead fluorescent lights go out, and kind of the 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 backup emergency lights kick on. Where's everybody else at? I probably spent a lot of time uh, using the internet to, to, to like kind of just catch up on things. And it's like, and I start banging the computer like, oh, just a little elbow grease will fix it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So you're uh, you're in the it's kind of like a library, you know, half book library half just a bank of computers where anybody can come and research whatever they need to and uh yeah you're you're googling around trying to get caught up on the last 100 years about yeah i'm uh, <laughs> i'm uh I, i'm peck typing because i'm not quite used to a keyboard like a typewriter was one thing but this thing is weird so i'm kind of i'm like i'm still kind of peck typing because i'm kind of afraid of it yeah and um while you're I guess Google would probably still be a thing. While you're Googling the the goggle, <laughs> all of a sudden you see this like 8-bit digital T-Rex pop up and it says uh, internet cannot be found. And we'll go to uh, Jeremy or Joe. Well, Theodore is, you know, he being an electronics specialist, essentially, he's like, I'm not using that ar- those archaic computers. He's in the in the virtual chamber where everything is like AR, but with no screens. It's like you're wearing Google glasses all the time. And he's just moving these things around. He's got like a web, like, like he's like a, you know, like doing, trying to solve a mystery. He's got like all these different points that he has like just splayed out floating in this room. He's like doing research. He's like trying to figure out some stuff, you know, him. If it's only been like a month, he's been part of this corporation. I think he's like still kind of obsessed with the hell that was World War One, and maybe like how could I stop that from happening without ruining everything? And uh, that's what he does in his free time. And I guess he would experience the same thing. Like when the internet goes down, all that really kind of stops working. Yep, yep, exactly. So yeah, all the screens once they lose that internet connectivity, all the screens just also because you're using the it's kind of like a heads up display but that you're able to interact with all the screens just like blink out of existence and you're just like left in the with waving your hands in the air for a moment before you realize that all the screens are just gonna go um did somebody kick over the modem i'll yell that and we'll go to uh (laughs) pappy what's pappy doing (laughs) the modem Uh, Pappy spends a lot of time playing shuffleboard, uh, visiting the old candy stores. He likes to watch the taffy polar, visiting the vending machines and the, uh, the different things like that. But, uh, (laughs) I think he spends most of his free time, like, in a casino type area. Okay. 
slots or poker Jeez, or anything. Okay, anything like Pappy, that. you're probably any game yeah, of I was chance. Say, you're probably pretty good, uh, Pappy, at games of chance, aren't you? I wouldn't say I'm good. Perhaps just a bit, bit lucky. A bit lucky. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, so this place, they really want to make sure that with you four having to hop through time and they know that you're going to be facing life or death situations a lot, they really want to make sure that they keep your not only your physical health up, but also your like your mental health. So they really wanted to like curate this entire base to fit all of your guys' needs and be able to really like, you know, get your your decompressing time down. So Pappy, you've got this uh, pretty well-made casino, and it's got a lot of uh, automatrons, and just, like, for the craps table, there's not, like, a robot or anything like that, but it's just, like, a screen with an AI that's able to, you know, let you know if you won or what you won, and it's able to, it's got these, like, animatronic rotary arms that can pull out and, like, pull in the chips if they win, and... Right as you're playing some craps and you roll and it's the come out roll and you you can just tell you see the dice rolling back and hitting seven. And uh, right when that screen starts starts to display the winners, it goes dark and then blue lights around the room light up. And it's for all all four of you. Blue lights are going around the room. And on day one. You learned that uh, Benjamin taught you that or told you all that blue lights mean meet in the command room. You've got a mission. So making your way all to the the command room, you see standing there uh, in the center with this table, these maps, uh, like actual physical handheld maps all scrawled around the table. Benjamin looks at you for and says, Okay, good that you all finally got here. We got a live one for you. Hope you all are up to your universal vaccinations because you all are heading to 1215 AD. And uh, I think with that, we will call it a session zero. So yeah, uh, next month, everybody, we will be heading back to the medieval ages. 1215 AD everybody we will be starting in this base still and everybody will get to equip themselves we will have everybody just pick from like a that armory any kind of armor weapons that they would like that would be fitting for that time period so I'm excited to see what everybody chooses because like the heart like Danny for Gwen I'm not sure exactly what kind of weapon would come up with for a heart but should be fun and I am very, very, very excited to see this group of four people on their first mission uh, next month. So I would like to go around the table again, just have everybody talk about anything they want to talk about, plug whatever they want to plug. Uh, we'll start with, I forget where we started last time. Joe, what do you want to talk about, Joe? Hi, I'm uh, Joseph Timmis. I'm a huge nerd. Thank you for having me, Adam. I look forward to playing with this group. You can find me here in the Majestic Goose Network and over at the Nerd Asylum. And then Danny. Hi, I am Danny. You can find me pretty much all over the internet as Danielle Lenoir. 
and uh, definitely hang out with the Majestic Goose folks. And I will be playing along during our uh, 24 hour extra live stream and uh, baking cake. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Uh, Ernest? Yeah, I'm Hollow Invective. You can find me at Hollow Invective on Twitter. Don't have much going on right now except for what I'm doing with uh, the Majestic Goose Network, but I'm always uh, excited and ready to go. And then last but not least, Jeremy. Hi, I'm Jeremy, and you can find me at Tabletop Jeremy on Twitter. You can also find me on Dice Talk, where Gerundu and I um, have like a talk show podcast where we interview a whole bunch of content creators and authors and cool people, and we talk about tabletop stuff. You can also find me, as well as Adam, on Eclipse, and Eclipse is a sci-fi fantasy thriller type D&D game. It is set in the future of Spelljammer, so it's loosely based on that, but a lot of it's original. It's a lot of fun. The most recent episode really starts getting pretty intense, and the next episode that comes out is going to be, I think, the most stressful and most uh, action-packed episode yet, so make sure you check out Eclipse. Uh, You can also find me on the DMs Guild, where I have a couple D&D titles if you want to check those out. And then just make sure you tune in, you know, next weekend when we're doing the 24 hour stream and donate to Extra Life so you can save a life. Yes. Yeah, so uh, the only thing I really want to talk about is, uh, well, first off, if you're not yet, go over to uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast and search for Doom Clock and subscribe to the show. We are now on nearly all uh, podcatchers we're on like all the major ones so go uh, subscribe all we've got right now is the prologue go and follow us there and give us a five-star rating and review that's going to help us kick things off and hit the new and noteworthy charts really early the second thing i want to talk about is the extra life campaign next month or not next month next week in seven days less than seven days from now counting it being 10 o'clock and it's going to be starting at seven o'clock We've got 24 hours of uh, Twitch streams that we're going to be coming at you starting at 7 o'clock p.m. next Friday. It will be opening with NBA. It will then be going into an all-guest episode of a one-shot and then a lot of video games over the like the nighttime hours. And then in the morning, we've got a Bite of Stereo one-shot. We've got a Solo Rolling one-shot where it's actually going to be a duet rolling. We've got Mage Tower D&D one-shot. We've got a Roll for Weird one-shot. And then we have also got a Lauren Poor live recording slash uh, live stream. And then during that, we are going to be giving away so many giveaway prizes. Over 30 giveaway prizes. We're, probably, uh, we're not going to be giving away any overnight. So because of that, we're going to have to give them away like every 20 minutes or so. So many giveaways. We're going to give them away to all of our donors to the Extra Life campaign. So donate even as low as $1, $5, whatever you are able to pay and donate to uh, Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Uh, donate and you will be entered into all of the giveaways at the event and it's really good odds you'll be winning something and they are great prizes so go check that out and yeah we will be live the first friday of may i don't know what day that is i guess it's going to be may 7th oh it's a uh, the first day of may is a saturday so it's all the way back in may 7th 
we will be live in the medieval times of Doom Clock, and we'll finally get to see these four in action. Thank you all for so much for watching uh, Session Zero. I know the Session Zeros are a little bit, um, you know, they're not as action-packed as the uh, actual story, but glad that you all stuck with us. And um, it's been a long time coming for the show, uh, waiting for the system to come out and everything. But we are here now. And uh, I'm so excited to get the episodes up on the podcast and to get uh, session one under our belts. So we will see you all. I don't know the next stream is off the top of my head, but uh, we will see you soon. Thank you all for watching. We will uh, see you in a little bit. Bye, everybody. Majestic Goose Podcast. Hark. Hark.